Welcome to the Center in the City podcast. I'm your host, Wade Brill, and during this series, I'll be interviewing various thought leaders, wellness experts, and humans on how they practice sustainable self-care and mindfulness. We'll get real and raw, talk about the light and the shadow side of self-care and mindfulness, and how we can actually stay centered amid the chaos and the hustle and bustle of our modern day world. So settle in and get centered. This podcast episode is brought to you by Centered in the City, a virtual on-demand self-care and mindfulness platform with over a hundred different meditations, journaling prompts, nourishing recipes, and Pilates flows, all designed to support you feeling calm, focused, and energized as you live your life in this modern day world. For more information, head on over to centeredinthecity.org and claim your seven-day free trial. Welcome to today's episode of Centered in the City. Today is another solo show, and I am excited to dive deeper into the topic of hurry sickness. I posted this on Instagram the other day because I started to notice this pattern that was happening within my clients and really think as life is emerging and we're reopening, there's this impulse to want to speed up, that we have so much to catch up to, that there's so many possibilities that, okay, life is now back into fourth gear. And I think there's just so much juiciness that we can explore within this topic of what I call hurry sickness. And actually, I didn't come up with the term. I saw it somewhere and I was like, yes, that is the term. And um, so we're going to dive deeper into it today. So the definition of hurry sickness that we're going to play with is it's a behavior and a feeling of constantly needing to rush, even when there's no need to be moving fast. So I like to think of hurry sickness as this feeling that there's a timer on and we have one minute to get everything on our list done. It's kind of like a chicken running around with their head cut off, that kind of feeling of panic and reactivity and just need to go, 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 do, do, do. And I remember my first experience with hurry sickness was maybe 15 No, couldn't have been that long ago. Um, Anyway, it was a good chunk of time ago. And I think innately being a New Yorker and growing up in New York, hurry sickness is kind of already built into the rhythm and, and blood. When I take walks down the street, I would love the pace of New York. There's, I'd wear my boots, I'd hear the click and the clack and just the people watching and feel the breeze on my face and just this life all around me and inside of me and I loved it. However, I started to connect to this deeper vibration of New York where it starts to just feel like you're constantly moving, 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 going, going, going. And that's really fun and life-giving and exciting. And I also just hit this point in my life where it was too much. And I specifically remember when I was finishing up school at Michigan, but I was taking some courses in, in New York, I would try to pack my schedule like 
an insane person. Like I would just try to do too much and not really have a reason for it. And in New York, if if you're in New York or if you've lived in New York before, it's kind of like the second you leave your house for the day, you're typically gone until like 9 p.m. at night. It's just that kind of life. It's like you pack everything in your purse or your backpack or your bag and you are just on the subways going from appointment to appointment to the gym to meeting this person for lunch to coffee to running to do this errand to to drinks to dinner and then back home at 9 p.m. And you're like, wow, I was out all day. And that is just kind of the rhythm of New York. And I remember feeling like I had to go downtown, then back uptown, then over to the east side, then over to the west side. And and luckily, New York's transit system is so amazing that you can do all of that easily in a day and very affordably, may I say. However, I started to realize how wearing it was on my system. And not only did my body feel exhausted because of all of the schlepping, this and physical schlepping with my bag and all the books and everything, but I felt emotionally and mentally exhausted as well. I started to feel so anxious and this impulse that I needed to be busier than I actually needed to be. Then like when I paused and looked at it, I was like, oh, I don't need to schedule that much in my day. Oh, I can organize my time better. Oh, I can say no to certain things. Oh, I can take this call from this place. Oh, I can ask this person to meet someplace more convenient. Like there are so many subtle shifts that open my mind to how I can make my life a little bit more easeful. So this idea of hurrying around for no reason isn't there anymore. Now, that's my kind of journey with it. When I, And when I started, when I had that realization and I started to put some boundaries and awareness around it, it totally shifted my relationship to time and my need to feel productive. Now, let's expand this a little bit more. It's like what I see in a lot of clients and friends and conversations with people is, you know, like what's behind this hurry sickness? Because like all sicknesses, like all behaviors and feelings, there is a root cause. And so some of the ones that I notice most often is this need to feel productive, right? We have this need in our Western American culture to be productive, to cross everything off of our to-do list, to feel accomplished, to feel like we're superhumans, to feel like we can do it all. And if we even peel back the layer of that a little bit more, I think each of us have our own story about why we need to feel productive. Maybe it's because we were told when we were younger that um, being productive is really good and that you get rewarded when you're productive. Maybe it's this motivation to keep up with other people because, you know, we're in this capitalistic society and survival of the fittest and we need to get the most done to compete with other people. Maybe our worth is tied up to how much we produce. 
right? We aren't worth as much if we're not producing as much. We're not doing as much. So there are a lot of layers to this desire to be productive that people feel. And so I'm curious, you know, if you're noticing in this moment, like, oh, yeah, that's my need. Like maybe be curious with yourself and and explore what's underneath that. There's also, I think, this pattern of overwhelm that people feel when life feels busy, right? When their calendar feels busy, their to-do list feels busy. And there's a sense of overwhelm, like, oh my God, this list is so long. How am I going to get everything done today on it? And when we notice that sense of overwhelm, there can be then this internal reaction, this internal reaction to do things faster. Like, okay, I can do it all, but let me do it really fast because if I do it really fast, it's going to be crossed off the list faster and then maybe I'll get everything done with and then I'll be over. And I even noticed this kind of sidebar comment when I teach Pilates and I'm like, okay, you know, 10 more reps, five more reps. People think if they do the reps faster, then it will be over faster or it won't be as painful or it won't be as hard. And it's just interesting to notice that can be our mental response. Oh, if I do this faster, it's going to be over faster. And like, yes, that makes kind of sense in the terms of like seconds ticking, but that doesn't necessarily make sense around quality. And that doesn't really mean that's like a true equation. Like if I, if I do this faster, then everything on my list is going to be done faster because that's not necessarily true. So it's just, again, interesting to observe when we feel the sense of overwhelm and this urge to do things faster, right? This hurry sickness can develop. Another noticing around what's behind hurry sickness is external pressure, right? Sometimes we have people in our community that we might feel like are looking over our shoulder, you know, tapping our fingers, like, why aren't you doing this fast enough? I can say that my husband probably feels that way when, you know, I'm waiting for him to respond to a question or um, waiting for him to like get ready or whatever it is. Um, That feeling of somebody looking over your shoulder, maybe it's with you and a boss or somebody on your team waiting for you know, you to do your part of a project and you feel that external pressure to do things faster because you think it looks good or that you need to make them happy. And so again, just exploring like where that need for hurrying comes from. There's also this really common place that we can fall into of fear that there's not enough time. I know I have um, a lot of time anxiety that I'm constantly practicing being with, but this fear that there's not enough time in the day, in the week, that we're on this treadmill of life and it's never ending and we just have to hurry and try to get to the finish line. 
And somehow our minds think that there's a finish line. And, you know, really if we zoom out, the finish line is death, you know, not to be morbid, but there's always going to be more to do. There's always going to be more emails to do. There's always going to be more laundry to fold. There's always going to be more dishes to do. And so this like fear that there's not enough time is just really interesting to explore. And again, everybody's fear of not enough time maybe comes from a different story in their mind, a different belief. And so maybe just exploring that, if that resonates with you, peeling back that layer a little bit deeper. And then there's also this theme that busyness can feel really good. Busyness can feel really good and that can tie back to our self-worth. Like when I'm busy, again, I'm being productive. But this also essence of busy feels really good because of the opposite. If I wasn't busy, then that mean I would need to slow down. And if I slowed down, that's fucking scary. Because if I slow down, then maybe I'll hear myself and I don't want to hear myself. Or maybe I'll actually feel my emotions and that feels scary. Or maybe I'll notice I'm alone and that feels unpleasant. And so instead we like to busy ourselves because it feels good. And so hurry sickness then feels kind of pleasant because it's preventing us from the opposite. It's preventing us from slowing down, from hearing, from feeling, from noticing. Another pattern around this hurry sickness is our physical environment. You know, I mentioned my story briefly about New York City, but we can be in places, whether it's company cultures or our home culture, or our cities, or neighborhoods that have a certain pace to them. And that pace kind of becomes like this invisible stream that we're in, where we kind of get caught up in the stream and we naturally just get flown down the river with whatever that environmental pace is, unless we're really intentional. And that environmental pace can even just be our modern day world, our Western American society, right, of needing to go, 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 do, 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 faster, harder. And so sometimes we can realize we are wrapped up in this external pace and that's just what's pulling us. That's what's driving us. That's kind of the heartbeat underneath our feet that's moving us. And so awareness around the environmental pace can be really insightful to pay attention to, to realize like, oh, is this supporting me? Is this my pace? Is this my choice? Or is this just because of the river that I'm flowing down, the environment that's just pulling me? And then how can I be in relationship to that external pace in a more supportive, more proactive way? So again, if that resonates with you, Maybe exploring that a little bit deeper. And then we kind of transition to explore hurry sickness from like, what's the impact? Like, why why does this matter? 
that I'm experiencing hurry sickness. Well, for me, I noticed that it would cause me so much more anxiety. It would cause me so much more anxiety. And that sense of anxiety of always being in the future, uncertain of how to navigate time and everything on the to-do list, took me out of the present moment. It took me out of feeling really rooted and grounded and connected to life in this moment or this conversation or this meal I'm eating. And so like, what's the impact of hurry sickness on you? Maybe you notice it causes you extra anxiety or maybe extra pressure or extra stress. Maybe you notice this hurry sickness takes you out of the present moment of being available for your partner, for your children, for your community. Maybe you notice the impact is trying to fit in more in your day and as you try to squeeze and do more in your day, you notice maybe some imposter syndrome shows up, some inauthenticity. And maybe you notice hurry sickness is like helpful sometimes, right? It helps motivate you to get a really full day done, to complete that project, to do that presentation. But it most likely is not sustainable to be in hurry sickness all of the time. And so just exploring like what's the impact of hurry sickness for you? And then I shared on Instagram, so if you don't follow me, I'd love to connect and and share with you what I created, but some various ways that we can practice healing and being with hurry sickness in a different way, if we so choose. So one of the ways is to practice the pause. Practice, practice, practice the pause. And what I mean by that is to notice when we are in hurry sickness, like what that feels like in our physical bodies, in our minds. And then can we practice pausing, slowing down life in various moments And particularly paying attention to practicing the pause between transitions. Can we practice a pause the moment our feet touch the ground when we get out of bed? Before we rush, 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 rush and get into the rest of our day. Can we practice the pause when we drink our morning cup of coffee or tea? to be with the senses, the warmth of the cup, the smell, the aromas. 
Can we practice the pause by finding and feeling our feet maybe on our commute to work or to a meeting or as we transition to our computers before we jump on our first Zoom call? Can we practice a pause between each meeting? Maybe just taking 30 seconds to focus on our breath or focus on the sensations of our body or just notice the sounds in our space. Can we practice the pause after sending each email before jumping to the next one? Can we practice the pause when we cross one item off of our to-do list before we jump into the next? Can we practice the pause after we dial somebody's phone number right before we hit call? There are so many, many transitions, what I call these mindful moments where we can practice the pause. We can come back into the present moment, come back into our bodies, come back into our minds and untangle maybe even for just 10 seconds from this needing to hurry, from this internal or external desire to rush. So that can be a really helpful practice. Another helpful practice is to take shit off of your plate. Woof. I know your first reaction might be like, Wade, what are you talking about? I can't take shit off of my plate. I have all these responsibilities. Da, 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 da. Great, that it is a story that lives in your mind. You are at choice. And there are so many ways to create a win-win when we allow ourselves to think in possibilities and get out of this either-or mentality or this what-if mentality or this catastrophizing mentality. There's ways we can talk to our boss or our manager and say, hey, you know what, I can't get this done by this Friday, but I will by Monday. Or, hey, let's order in dinner because I'm at capacity to make dinner tonight. Or maybe it's just making our to-do list smaller, more reasonable. Maybe we can even just start right there. Hey, can I get one thing done today? Let me write down my top five and just get one done. If I get more done, great. Let me just take down my expectations just a little bit. That doesn't mean I'm less valuable. That doesn't mean I'm not as smart or successful. But that means I'm actually being smart. 
And it's amazing what we can notice when we take that pressure off of ourselves, how much more done we might actually do. It's kind of funny, right? We get to kind of trick our brain there. But when we give ourselves more spaciousness, it's like we actually might have and get more done or our batteries might be more charged that we can then do more effectively or efficiently. So those are some of my thoughts, my noticings, our ways to work and play with hurry sickness. I'd love to hear from you what's resonating. Like what's behind your hurry sickness? When do you experience it? What are your triggers? And what's the impact of experiencing hurry sickness? When do you notice the effect? And then how are you intentionally practicing and being with this hurry sickness? What do you want to modify or try differently to support you healing from this hurry sickness? I would love to hear your thoughts. So feel free to reach out in the show notes, my contact link, or reach out via social media on Instagram at one Wade. And let's continue the conversation. Let's support each other healing from hurry sickness so that we can prevent hurry sickness from becoming the next pandemic. We can heal hurry sickness before it turns into burnout. Thanks so much for listening to the Center in the City podcast. I would love to stay connected with you. So share your thoughts with me on Instagram at one Wade. And if you have other ideas and requests for solo shows and guests to be on the podcast, reach out. I'd love to hear from you. And until next time, stay centered.